opportunity to go overseas to um, with the full gospel businessmen, but to cut a long story short, we ended up at a Tenetaken camp meeting, and our lives got turned around, and we came back. And God began to speak to us. Oh, by the way, before this, I had been on the board of um, Women's Aglow at Waimati. So, you know, there was a wee bit. But I was never, ever competent even to speak to anyone. Or, you know, it was, was not easy. But as you trust God and you begin to do those things that are right in his sight, and walk with him, and be committed, and that we, we were really committed to our church. We loved our church. We loved our pastors. And uh, we just wanted to help them. We never even thought of ministry. We didn't even want to go into ministry. We wanted to help our pastor. And then uh, things began to change and God began to just deal with us. And uh, so these things don't happen overnight. And um, so we, we went overseas and we, we ended up at a Kenetaken camp meeting and we came back changed people. Mm. Our hearts had been, we'd been zapped with the word of God. We began to get the revelation of who we were in Christ. We began to take hold of different things. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always quite happy just for Pastor Jim just to preach in that. And uh, then I felt God speaking to me. <clears throat> I thought, goodness me, you know. And uh, so you you obey God and, um, you know, talked it over with Jim and that. And we went out on the road. Jim liked to share this with you. And um, I can remember the first place I ministered in. I had written down a Gloria Copeland tape. And I was to do a ladies' meeting, and it was in a ladies' place, and her name was Chook. <laughs> and we, us ladies, we went to her home. We were out on the road, and uh, we went to her home, and I had written out this tape of Gloria Copeland, and I preached it word for word. That's what I'd done. And um, they loved it. <laughs> and um, then, you know, you begin to seek God yourself in the Word and, 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 and God begins to show you different things and, and uh, for you to minister. And we, we listen to the Word of Faith preachers' tapes and, you know, it just put us over. It puts you in another realm. When when you're obedient to God and you you hear things preached and you do, you become a doer of the word of God, your life begins to go from glory to glory and strength to strength. 
Obedience is a big thing. It's a huge thing. And, um, you know, uh, as leaders, people, um, it's, it's very important to listen to who's ministering to you, your pastors, and, and um, be obedient to, to that because God has given them what to say. Amen? And uh, so, you know, um, I just began to preach. And uh, we uh, had a church in, in Timaru. Pastor Jim would preach in the morning and I'd preach in the afternoon for years. And, and uh, preached in the ministry training centre we had. So God wants to use women. Yeah. Amen. And uh, there's no, uh, uh, what does the Bible say? No Jew, no Greek, no male, no female. We're all one in the spirit. Amen. But God does set up uh, the authority. And um, just like um, Pastor Jim's um, head of our home, he's the head of the ministry. Amen. And uh, but we're still one, and and so uh, you know it's a wonderful thing when God calls a man and a wife to go into the ministry, and they work together. And uh, I just pray for all you people out here that are leaders in this church that um, that you obey God. And uh, look to God to uh, help you because we all need help to do the right thing and be a blessing. The greatest thing you can do is be a blessing to your pastor. Amen. So I'll leave it at that. Order. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for this church, for this powerful body of people. We give you thanks, Father, that you are leading them and they are hearing your voice. And the voice of a stranger they do not follow. They know what to pick up and what to put down. They know how to live life in their homes. They know how to treat the wife and the husband receives the comfort of his mate. And so, Lord, I thank you great and mighty things are on the horizon. And that no weapon formed against them will ever prosper. For they have, Father God, an anointing and a calling. And I pray tonight that each and every one of them find their place. And when they find that place, they bless and are a blessing. In the name of Jesus Christ.
We were worshipping in a church in Christchurch not a long time after we were out on the road. And in the praise and worship, God began to speak to me about camp meetings. And he gave me a vision. Along that front row, there was a pastor and his wife, a pastor and his wife, a pastor and his wife. And we were very strong in bringing women into the ministry and taking their rightful place. Women have got a lot to say. You know, they do. Good things I'm talking about. Holy Ghost women are special people. And we need them. We need them. The main thing in it all is that we find our place and don't go overboard on it. Don't get out of it. And as leaders, God's got you. But there's there's time. Listen to me. There's time for you. Just function where you are right now in the wisdom that you're walking in. just You can be a blessing just where you are. Being a husband and a wife. People want to see victorious marriages. We all want to see that. Pastors want to see that. And so, in saying those things, women have a very important place to play. Going back to the early days, Ida mentioned about us in the wee church in Waimati where we got saved. And uh, it was a big thing for me to go to church. And uh, the night I got saved, then the next Sunday we went to church. I loved it. When I got saved, I'm telling you, I got saved. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was about nine people in this church and a brother of mine had got saved in Christchurch and a sister had got saved in Moimati on the same night. The brother I'm talking about was way out. Just, just, you know, he was, he'd been over into the Chatham Islands fishing. He was a boozer, gambler, womanizer. Probably the best that there was. And uh, he come down to stay with my sister. And uh, he asked me, I was a a freezing worker at the time, and he asked me, I was a leader of the uh, union. I was a strong union man. Uh, I was brought up that way with my parents and grandparents. It was very strong in culture in in our family. 
and uh, Bill rings me up, and uh, I, I'd said to Ida a couple of days ago, well, Bill's gone, Bill's left. I said, we're never going to see him again. He's either going to go to jail, he's going to, someone will do him in, I just feel we won't ever see him again. So he rings me up on the Wednesday night. I answer the phone. Hello? Jim. Is that you, Bill? <laughs> yeah. Jim, do you know what? I've been saved. <laughs> so he says, I'll come down on the weekend and tell you all about it. And so he comes down. My mum comes. So there's a crowd of us. Family. Bill begins to tell us all about what happened. It was the same night as my sister got saved, you see. And so it was very powerful. And he says, Jim, will you come to church tomorrow? And I says, oh no, I've, I've got a racehorse, you see. <laughs> and in the, and down in the, down in the, I had to dig this drain. I would have gone but I had to dig this drain down in the stables. And uh, so I, we left them. There was a, we heard all what was being said and about them getting saved. We thought, well, that's good for them. Diane's next door, you see that. And I'm going home, and there's, that time there were films, you know, movies. And I had to watch the movie that, that night. So we went home, probably a western. Anyway, uh, b uh, before we left, uh, Bill says, will you come to church tomorrow? I said, no, I can't do it. He says, will you come tomorrow night? And I said, yeah, yeah, come, we'll come tomorrow night. And so I'm down digging the strain in the morning, and Ida <coughs> comes down, and she's weeping. We must have had words or something. I don't know what, what never happened. I can't remember that. But she's weeping. And I've got a son, my son Tom, and he's seven years old. And he's standing just a wee bit away from this drain. And he says, Mum and Dad, yesterday you were mad. Today you're sad but you're going to be glad <laughs> for every other day. <laughs> I tell you what, and that comes from a seven-year boy, your son, it hits you right here. So that night, we went into church. There were 26 of us and nine of them. <laughs> Over the next three weeks, there were, there were 23 people in our family got saved. I'm standing there, and they say to get me saved that night was the longest altar call I'd ever known. <laughs> Years beforehand, 
I had gone to a Billy Graham crusade in Lancaster Park in Christchurch, a huge, massive crowd there. And mum tapped me on my shoulder and says, Jim, you need to go down there in, 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 in the call. So I went down and uh, I don't know much about what happened, got some papers and things, and, but that's all that ever happened there. I know I didn't get saved. And so this night in this church, I get a tap on my shoulder. It's mum. <laughs> You're going to go up there. This older calls for you, Jim. I says, you know, you dig your heels in. <laughs> not me. I'm not going up. I remember the last time I went up. Next thing, I'm standing there and I get a tug on the shoulder, on strides, look there, and it's Tom. Uh, Tom said, we're going up there, Dad. <laughs> right. And a couple of strides, gave my heart to the Lord, a week later baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. And then church life began. I was dedicated to go to church once on Sunday. The pastor came out the Monday when I didn't go to church on the Sunday night and preached me the sermon. Private <laughs> sermon. Church life began, we become, after a two or three weeks, maybe four or five weeks, Sally Ann, our youngest, had just been born, and uh, my brother and pastor used to be get on real good, and so they decided we need to pray like not like you guys pray. We wouldn't know how to pray like that then. You and Spirit really praying. They had the house down a moment ago and this morning. And it's a wonderful thing to come in on that anointing and a minister. You're breaking down stuff. You're doing a tremendous job, more than you, more than you can imagine or think, what that's doing in the heavenly places. You're keeping demons away. The angels are rejoicing and they're ever ready to move for you. And anyway, the pastor said, we're going to start a prayer meeting. Now, we lived eight miles out in the country. We had young children for us to get up and commit to going in to pray a half an hour before church, we didn't really think that we could make that commitment. Not that we didn't want to. We didn't think we could make that commitment and stick to it. I'm a stickler for commitment of quality. And uh, there was also a lady, old lady, that lived a couple of miles further on out of Waimati. 
that never used to be able to get a ride into church. She required a, a ride. And different ones would say they would go and next thing they didn't turn up and things like that. So then we get to church after the next, the first time that they uh, they did, they prayed. And my brother said to me, Jim, why didn't you come? I said, no, I'm not, I wouldn't, I'd come in if I felt I could take, keep the commitment. And uh, he said, uh, well, think about it. So the next day we decided that week we were going to we're going to go into prayer and stick to it. We also uh, committed to pick up this lady on the other side of town. And I'm saying all this to you because you've got to weigh up things in your heart. But when you do it and you say you'll do it, you do it. It's a commitment of quality. For the years went by, the next five years, we picked that lady up, both meetings, took her to church. Our little children were young, Tom seven, uh, Maria was younger, she'd come into the prayer meetings. It wouldn't be three months down the road that we're the only ones at prayer meetings. So, as we stuck with it, we prayed and believed and there'd be odd ones come in five or ten minutes before the church started and things like that. But I'm saying to you, you're leaders. When you make commitments, stick with the ship. Stay with the stuff and believe God. And I'll tell you what, there's not one thing you do that God doesn't notice. He will exalt you in due time. He'll exalt you when you're ready. This is preparation time. How are you going to stand it when the going gets tough? And, the, and let me tell you, perilous times are on their way. There is a storm coming. The church will need prayer. The church will need quality uh, ministry upholding these two. And so, let us go to the Word now. The Ministry of Helps is one of the most important needs that pastor has, that he will ever face in building a church, building leadership under him. And because he needs help, we can't do it, you see, all ourselves. There's no one in the fivefold ministry gift that can do it. We need an anointing. We need God. It's impossible to be a pastor in our own strength. It's an impossibility. We want you to understand the importance as you rise into areas of leadership, 
how important your role is. So this is probably the most challenging area for a pastor because these people must be reliable. They must be capable and efficient so that pastor is assured that all things are going well in each department. So let's go and look at the qualifications to be in the Ministry of Helps. If we go to the book of Acts, and uh, we'll go to chapter 6 in Acts. Is it well with your soul out there? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And in those days, verse 1, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because the widows were neglected in the daily ministration. I'll tell you what, doesn't God want to look after the, the, the widows? God has got a special place in, for widows. And he counts them very important, very important people to be looked after. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look out ye among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So here we see the qualifications needed for, for people in the ministry of helps. Number one, they must have an honest report. Number two, they must be full of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? And number three, wisdom. Verse five says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. I mean, there's Stephen. Man, he was, he was a man that was just a powerhouse for God. We would have him pastoring for sure but he was in the ministry of helps. He cast out devils. Miracles were in his ministry, but he was humble enough to wait on tables. I believe later he went evangelizing, but in this instant, he was prepared to wait on tables. And so we've got a list of those here that they chose. And then when they chose them, they set them before the apostles. And when they had prayed and laid hands on them, and the word of God increased, 
and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Hallelujah. The ministry of helps, my brother and sister, is a team effort. We're working as a team. We're working as one with the purpose of flowing with the pastor's vision. These people must have a heart for their pastor. They must say good things about them. When leaders are saying things that are not kosher with the church, it's not a good thing. Dr. Sumrall said to me many years ago, he says, Jim, when your leaders stop loving you, sack them. I'll tell you what, we've got to face it. We've got to be spiritual enough to understand that. You can't have these things in your midst. They'll destroy you from the inside. It's not the outside destroying you. There's enough demons out there without stuff like that in the church. Now the leadership are a buffer between the congregation and the pastor. They can handle some things and stop things in their tracks by good leadership and taking the weight and the worry and the concern of it all past so that they can study the word, bring you the food that's needed each week, and bring you up into maturity where we're all heading. Amen. So the elders should be able to handle shimmers and discontent by members in the congregation. There will be many issues that arise, so it is important to realize we are ministers to people who have lived their lives in the realm of the senses. And we're bringing them out of that darkness into a spiritual walk. We're bringing them from darkness into light. And my brother and sister, there's no way around it. There's going to be shimmers until they come fully and realize who they are in Christ and begin to operate there in the love of God and seek God and don't get out of place. Find their place and operate there. And I'll tell you what, the whole body begins to function how it ought to. So it's a big thing. I, I was... I was uh, out on the road and ministering and we were up in the area of 
Blenheim and Coromandel. And a well-known minister was sick in the area. And uh, one, one chap asked me if I would stop on the way. I was going through to Nelson from Blenheim. Would I, would I stop on the way and, and pray for him? And I knew this man. And uh, so I stopped and went in. And there was some other ministers there and that. But we had a cup of tea and that. And I, I just thought, well, I'll just move on. This man had got healed. Hallelujah. And uh, he come out to the, my vehicle and he said, Jim, that message you're preaching, it's screwing up the people. And I says, this is the message. But I says, what you've got to understand, we're taking people out of darkness into the light and there's a struggle on the way for them. And he said, Jim, he says, I got healed. It was a heart problem. And uh, he says, I was down, walking down in the river, and I'm walking along, and all of a sudden I saw a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus walked straight up to me and through me. And I'm healed. I said, my, tremendous, what a great thing. Thank God for your healing. But I says, the difference between that and what we preach, we don't have to see Jesus. We see the Word. And the Word and Jesus are one. And he said to take it by faith, not because of feeling, not because of anything else, but take it because I said it. That's the highest realm of faith. That's believing God. So I said, that's our understanding, where we might differ a wee bit. But this minister was a wonderful minister. He was wonderful to fellowship with. And... Uh, he had a good spirit about him. So there will be schisms. And that's a big area for elders to nurture and be able to bring up, give them a, a word of, uh, 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 of wisdom in their time and just be loving on the people. Love the people. It's not easy, I know. But I'll tell you what, we come to a place where they're so important. And to see them set free is the most beautiful thing that we can see. You know, I know about getting people saved. People think that's the greatest thing, getting them saved. It is magic. It is mighty. But to me, when someone gets a hold of the word, and they get it in their heart. I know they're in the victory. 
I know they are an overcomer. They're on their way. Hallelujah. When they get a hold of the word of God. And so to that brings me the greatest pleasure. Go with me to Exodus chapter 18. Thank you, Jesus. Exodus 18 and verse 18. Here, Moses' father-in-law is giving godly instruction and wisdom to Moses. And he says in verse 18, Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Stephen. This thing's too heavy for us. It's too heavy for us. We can't do it on our own. And God brings whosoever into our midst to help us. To help us. We're an army. Hallelujah. We're not we're not just big God. What what you what you can conjure up in your mind, what we are. We say you hear a good message, a great preacher and all that, and you put them up on the pedestal. Love us. Pray for us. But we are not. Jesus is the super duper. Amen. He's the super duper one. Glory to God. And so this, this, this Jethro is saying to Moses, you'll surely wear yourself out, both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. And then he says in verse 20, And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk. Say must walk. There's a certain way that you in leadership must walk. Say it again. Must walk. And there are and, and there is the work that they must do. So you give yourself over. You ain't got much say in this. You dedicate yourself to do it. And there's a walk wherein you must walk. And there is things that you must do. Moreover, Thou shalt provide out of the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and the place and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter you bring to the pastor. When there's a great matter, the pastor will handle that. Small things, you ought to be able to handle that. 
Amen. Hallelujah. So shall it be easier for thyself, and, and they shall bear the burden with thee. Did you hear that, folks? Bear the burden with pastor. Bear the burden with the pastor. Glory to God. Can you see the importance and the responsibility that each of you have? It's no small thing. And you pray, no, you play no small part in seeing to it that the presence of the Lord is in every meeting. There will be devilish attacks. The church is the only force on the earth that can overcome the evil. Now let's go to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17 and verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men, and go out and fight with Amalek. There's a type of the devil. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill and the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hand, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady, till the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Here we see a picture of the man of God getting tired, lifting up the rod of God. When it was high up, Israel won the war. We would win. But when he got tired, he needed help. Aaron and her are a picture of you leaders. Staying past his hand. And as long as the pastor doesn't get weary and you're helping him, and giving him everything you got, you keep the devil at bay and defeated from coming into this place. When the Ministry of Helps do their job and function in the way of holding up pastor's arms, 
devilish attacks are defeated. But when they are not functioning and flowing and responding, the devil gets the advantage. Now let us turn to 1 Corinthians. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. One Corinthians, that's not Romans, is it? One Corinthians? One Corinthians, is Romans? No. Is it Acts? I'm over in Romans. I'll better get back here. <laughs> Rome, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll begin reading in verse 28. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, Thirdly, teachers, after that, miracles, then the gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Here we see the ministry. He's called to be in the church. The, the apostle, the prophet. Thirdly, it says, teachers then miracles, which is the office of the evangelist, the gifts of healings as pastor, then new ones come in with helps, there's the leaders, and then governments. Governments are a special ministry where someone in the ministry of helps will take care of dealing with business things to do with the church, the office of government, uh, buildings and everything to do with the auditorium and things like that, or maybe advertising, getting certain things done in those areas is, is that office there of government. But most of us all are in the Ministry of Helps, helps in the church. Then there is another office here. Diversities of tongues. The diversities of tongues operates in every one of these ministry gifts it's to operate, it's to undergird the apostle. It undergirds the prophet's ministry. It undergirds the teacher, the evangelist. It undergirds the pastor. It's the anointing strength that will come and flow in their lives. It is one of the most important areas of speaking in other tongues. And it's also for the ministry of helps. Praise God. 
We need the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost working in us in such a way that we can be effective. Amen. Amen. There are things that we can struggle in. There'll be some person that just gets on our goat. But listen, you can't let that affect your ministry. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Love, love that person until there is a breakthrough. And we need to do that. We need to, we need to, we need to piggyback some of these people in with us. Amen. And so I want to encourage you that praying in other tongues, no matter what the situation is, you get God on the scene, next thing he gives you wisdom that will rise up in you and you'll handle it. There'll be things in ministry you think you can't handle. But praying in tongues will get you through every time. Amen. Amen. I was ministering over in Featherston at a meeting and uh, before we left, we were, we, were, we were camped up at the time. We were out on the road. We were camped up at the time in, uh, in um, Paraparam, weren't we? Paraparam. And we would travel over every Sunday. And we were helping a pastor here, uh, Pastor Daryl Reeves, in those early days to, to pl- uh, plant a church out there in Featherston. And uh, we would have an early meal before we went. We'd leave about 4 o'clock, I think. And uh, I just turned around and took a handkerchief <coughs> out of the cupboard and, and just sat it down, and, and it was folded. The handkerchief was folded. Well, my grandmother was a very... A lovely Christian, but she was very, um, what's the term? Yeah, superstitious. She says, you never, you never go out and put a folded handkerchief in your pockets. It's bad luck. So when, see, I've taught that from a child. Whenever I get a, a handkerchief, it's automatically, I just flick it there and blow my nose whether I want to or not. <laughs> So these things kind of stick with you. And I put that down as I'm having tea. And God said to me, you're going to be dealing with areas of the occult tonight. Superstitions. And so when we started that meeting, it was a packed hall. And I says, we want to be able to pray for everyone tonight. And there's certain things. And God just told me about um, that I'll be dealing with occultish things. And there was a roar come up in the crowd. I found out later that they said one of these men from of Maori descent was had come and they were so pleased 
he's going to be set free tonight because he was a man that put curses on people. And But we didn't know that. We didn't know why the roar was. Anyway, we ministered that night and we had this altar call and everyone come up for prayer barring this man. So then, after that, I said, I'd like to pray for you, sir. And he came up. And he says, I'm, a, I'm afraid to touch any of these young ones here. There was some young lads on this front row. And I says, what's the problem? He says, if I touch them, they'll die. He was strong. And he says, and he looked at me, and he says, he's looking past me. And I says, what are you looking at? He says, oh, faint. Very faint. You haven't got long to live. <laughs> I know about curses brought up in a Maori family. And I'll tell you what, that fear began to attack me. As soon as he said that, I just said, No, in the name of Jesus! <laughs> You'll not do anything like that to my husband. Anyway, he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Saviour. He was baptised in the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, and set free. But that attack was still attacking me. And I went out, and we were taking, there was some people from Bible College there that night, and we were bringing them back to Wellington and I don't know what they thought of me to this day. Because all I did, as soon as I got out of that hall, I'm fighting. I'm fighting and going for it. And I'll tell you what, we got in the van, we went up, and now we're coming over the Rimatakas. When we got to the top, it was gone. It was gone. No matter what attack comes to you in ministry or whatever, fight. Amen. Don't give up on nothing. It's got no power. It's only the power that you give it. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. Another time, and I'm going to show you how important it is for the work that Ida and I were doing. We're out on the front line. We're dealing with devilish things in the ministry day after day and we want quality people, people who are mature to join with us and to be part of what we're doing. So the ministers that we knew at the time we would ask them, if you got anyone, we want your best. We don't want second best. We want the best you got out there. 
But you know what? We all want the best. We want the best in here too. <laughs> so I'm, I know that out there you can't put up with second best. You need maturity. You need people who are, who are overcomers who will, who will learn how to cast out devils. They mightn't have been casting out, but they must learn. Lay hands on the sick. Learn to get people baptised in the Holy Ghost and be bold about it, bold soldiers. So anyway, this pastor rung me up and he said, Jim, got just the person for you. Megan. Megan. And so Megan comes. And Megan was Megan. She arrives on the bus. One evening, in the morning, we have prayer. Prayer, an hour's prayer, was between seven and eight. Then it was breakfast. Then they went for a run. Then they came back and we'd have a cup of tea and we'd be out in the field casting out devils. So they arrived over to our prayer bus and where's Megan? Oh, she's sick. Go and get her. Come back. She won't get up. So pastor goes over. Come on, Megan. You're in the ministry now. She gets up. Staggers out. Vomiting. I says, we are not sick in this ministry, Megan. <laughs> After prayer, oh, I can't run, Pastor. Well, learn. <laughs> Why I'm telling you this is, there's no place for that and think you're in ministry. Amen. That pastor should never send her. Why he sent her, he says, Jim will be able to handle her. <laughs> then it come to going out into the field. I says, Megan, you'll be going with Ida. She'll teach you. And I'm not going, Pastor. I'm not going. I can't do that. I says, I'll be taking you. You'll be right. I says, it'll be hard for a start. She come back from there rejoicing at what had happened. Seeing people set free. Seeing them come to the Lord. Seeing the tears flowing down their faces. Megan became a different girl. 
We come to camp meeting. She was in the singing team. She had a beautiful voice. She sang a solo. And uh, it was time for her. She was only coming out for that period of time. But Negan, when her parents picked her up, they couldn't believe their eyes. They couldn't believe it was the same person. What I'm saying to you, God can do it. And Megan eventually accepted and came under the authority of the ministry. And she was a beautiful person. But we need people of the highest quality. We need people of strength. People of commitment. Hallelujah. We're a team, you see. And God always had one leader. He had other leaders under him. Now, another thing I want to share with you is there is a there is a unseen line between you and pastor. Even in leadership, there is an imaginary line. And you'll know it when you're spiritual and you'll know never to cross over and step over that. You'll never tell pastor what to do. You will pray for him and you will never pray what you want to happen. You'll pray what God wants to happen and to strengthen pastor to do God's will. You don't get over into occultish things, witchcraft and things like that when you want your way about something. You see, we face demon forces that the congregation do not have to face. The demons set before the fivefold ministry are more powerful than what the average person will have to come up against. But there is anointing and anointing that empowers us to be who we are, who we've called to be. We need prayer. You may think we've got it all together, but we need your prayer. Sometimes there's ministries you think that are so just, just so good. They are the, probably the ones that need more prayer than anyone else. You know, we must make and pray for the right decisions that suit the church to be in one with it, to be in agreement with the vision. And so we don't get over into an area where we hinder what God wants to do. So there is a maturity that requires you 
to understand these things that I've shared with you tonight. We had a lovely, when we had our church in, um, in Timaru, we had a lovely lady that was a leader and she's the only person that ever got close that we were really happy about. The closeness she got to us, and yet she was, there was an imaginary line. And she knew never to overstep that line. And she was wonderful to us. And so, as a pastor, we can get lonely. But do you know what? We can't step over the line, and you're not pastor's buddy-buddy. Ministry is lonely in a lot of, to- lot of ways. There are times we like to really get involved, but you know we can't. We've got a job to do and we must. We must follow what God's telling us. Keep us. We must stay with the stuff. We must stay in prayer. We must be seeking God's way. There'll be a unity that springs up in this church that you haven't had before. My right-hand man out on the road was Pastor Gordon Brown and Julie Brown. Lovely couple that started a work when they left our ministry in New Plymouth. You know, pastors have got close fellowship and bonds, but do you know who they're with? Other five-fold ministry groups. That's who our buddies really come in. It's just the way it is, and, it, and, it, and it's a protection. Us. So I want you to understand those things. Gordon and Julie Brown was just outstanding. Outstanding with us. And then later uh, at Timaru, Gwyn and Chris Ladder, the local people here, had a church over in the valley there, not far away. But Gwyn had a I think the best anointing that I've seen on a person in the ministry of helps. Different ones and ministers that comment, man, who's that guy? He could, if the pastor was here and there was a problem up here, he could go and fix that problem and it wouldn't distract one bit from the ministry that was going on. We're not here to be seen. We're here to promote these people. Hold up their hands. And be everything that we can be to them. 
support them and especially with the words of your mouth. So in sowing, saying that, I'll close. Father, we thank you that this people hear your instruction. I declare to you, Father, that these people are people of quality. People who've got a heart for God. People who won't look to the right or the left. They look straight on. They have a purpose. And so, Father, when the storms come, and times are not easy, we go through it with victory. We go through it together. We go through it with one. We stand together. And after having undone all, we stand. Hallelujah. God is good. Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. 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 He knows. He knows how to handle the church. God knows how to do it. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh God, thank you. Right. Well, praise God. It's been a tremendous day. What a wonderful input we have received into our lives and into the life of the church. You want to say that we love you, Pastor Jim and Ida, and we appreciate you, and we appreciate the ministry and the word that you brought. Um, in fact, I realized before that uh, with things carrying on a bit longer this morning that we felt there was even offering for our wonderful guests, and I would like for us to be able to do that now. So if we can perhaps uh, sort out some, uh, some offering bags, uh, some envelopes, a couple of guys, that would be just wonderful. Just remember that there's also, of course, opportunity to give electronically out there in the foyer. And let's uh, show our appreciation in a tangible way. Uh -huh. Hallelujah.